Welcome to Movies, Movies, Movies on Mornings with Bridie Tanner featuring Jack and Andre. (laughs) FBI Radio. But because it is the Melbourne International Film Festival, we are joined uh, on the line by Jack, our film lord... uh, a solo star this time. Uh, Jack, thank you so much for letting us give you a call during your Melbourne escapades. How's it been down there? It's so amazing, but I am blown away by your Spice World reference. My uh, whole life was dictated by Silverchair and the Spice Girls. I just feel like honoured and, and really safe in your company on the phone. Good, that's um, all I can ever. Are you loving it or what? Loving it, loving it. I'm just in a laneway right now trying to scope out the cheapest breakfast I can find for myself underneath a post that says Hollywood. A beautiful coincidence. Um, I'm trying to help also Andre recover from his bad karma. He touched down and immediately said that it was like stepping inside of Greta Gerwig's asshole. And straight after he posted that, David Zellner pulled out of an interview with him. David Zellner is the director of Kamiko, Treasure Hunter and Damsel with like Robert Pattinson. So Andre lost an interview based on, I think, karma. Would you say that was a beautiful coincidence? <laughs> I think so. I think so. I don't know. So is everything with him. All right. Well, let's get into this. Movie news. Can you tell us what's happening in the world of cinema this week, Jack? God, there's so much happening. There's going to be a uh, Space Jam 2 with LeBron James. It's been like a hypothetical for a while, um, but they've just signed on a director who's also got a show called, I think it's something to do with Flyness, and now I've completely forgotten and I've got Random all Acts my of Flyness? Random you. Acts of Flyness! Um, so, yeah, so there's going to be a Space Jam 2 for everyone who's been holding out, for everyone who loved Jumanji 2, I think. Um, what else have we got? Oh my God. So this has actually been developing over the weekend and this isn't something I sent to you because it was actually coming in over the lines last night. But Lance Bass from NSYNC bought the Brady Bunch house. So, and so it's NSYNC, it. not InSync. Or NSYNC. I, uh, uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've, I've, been, I've been questioning that this morning if it's NSYNC, InSync or NSYNC. I don't know, but I do love Dirty Pop. I, anyway, and so and pop culture news. clashes like Brady Bunch and NSYNC, <sighs> who knew? And who knew? Anyway, so he bought it with his husband and it was huge news. It was all over Twitter. And then he got, um, he got shafted and they've sold it to an unnamed Hollywood studio. No one knows who it is. What? And he feels like he was used as a puppet to drive up the prices. What the? And I know. So it's very like a scary. It's apparently, it's just a classic Hollywood move to get a celebrity to try and buy a house and then sell it for more. Oh. Bullshit. Um, hey, so, yeah. in, in more weird and scary news, tell me about Winnie the Pooh and the Chinese president. <laughs> okay, oh my God. So Winnie the Pooh is being censored all over China because it, apparently his likeness to the communist leader Xi Jinping is, um, is uncanny. And so I think he's sensitive about it and he's become kind of a symbol of the resistance against the communist party. And so the new movie starring Ewan McGregor, Christopher Robin, isn't going to be released in China. And they're like going through all of their internet, all of the internet, and getting rid of any image of Winnie the Pooh, which is crazy because Winnie the Pooh is like a Tao icon. Yeah, yeah, it's, and also, like, it's it's on so much more than just the internet. Like, you know, little kids' blankets have Winnie the Pooh on them. Oh, I don't know if they do in China, but they're certainly not I'm going to after this. 
so harmless, don't you think? Yeah. I can't think of a more harmless icon than Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, so people anyway. think that he looks like uh, Chinese leader, is it Xi Jinping? Xi Jinping, yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, he's been used to humiliate him. Oh, there you go. Well, um, similarly, I think that Peppa Pig was banned in maybe North Korea. True. I remember that. Yeah. And Peppa Pig, Peppa Pig was nearly banned in Australia thanks to those evil, evil overlords trying to take down the ABC. There you go. Um, in uh, What about, about Ryan Murphy news? <laughs> Tell me about this. <laughs> Classic Ryan Murphy news. I have to slide it in. Pose has been renewed for season two. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's the best show this year. And uh, they're going to have it culminate in the Vogue Madonna video. And also in Ryan Murphy news, Jessica Lang signed on for American Horror Story Apocalypse. So it's all just like a happiness and... Um, I don't know, just excitement in the Ryan Murphy world. Well, thank you so much, Jack, for filling us in on movie news all the way from Chile, Melbourne. Enjoy the Melbourne International Film Festival. We'll see you next week. We're going to get into two reviews now. <gasps> see you next week. Bye. Two reviews. One review. And then, and then another review. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two my review of the miseducation of Cameron Post. Take it away, Andre. So, I've recently welcomed a new queer shiro into my life who goes by the name of Desiree Akavan. She's a confident and oftentimes hilarious voice bounding out of the New York film scene. She stole my heart with her debut film, Appropriate Behaviour, and I've just seen her MIF submission, which is the miseducation of Cameron Post. The story follows Cameron Post, who's caught kissing another girl in a car, and it's the early 90s, so Cam's parents freak out and get worried about her homosexual thoughts and end up sending her to a very strict Christian gay conversion therapy camp in pastoral green America, where she eventually meets two dope friends played by Sasha Lane and Forrest Goodluck. Cameron is played by Chloe Grace Moretz, who is perfect at conveying how fragile, wide-eyed and just deeply confusing being a teenager and queer can be. The film doesn't shy away from the damage the Christian conversion is doing to the children, but more importantly, Cameron Post is one of the most loving looks at young queer friendships. I just deeply adore Desiree and her film and hope that it transcends that niche American indie film world where it came from to become what I think it's destined to be, which is an astonishing queer classic. Jack, lay it on me. Are you piping hot for this film or absolutely not? Oh my God, I love this film. What are you talking about? I have this weird thing where I don't believe that Chloe Grace Moretz is ever going to be good and then I'm always surprised. Great. No, I feel that. I totally understand that. Yeah, I think her best role is obviously Kick-Ass and then after that, mm. I just cringe and this film didn't have me cringing. I think she was perfect for the role. I love Sasha Lane ever since her breakout performance in American Honey and yeah, go see this film. I totally agree. I think <laughs> Chloe Grace Moretz is astonishing in this and every time I think about her, I think about how she was the first young, the first 12-year-old to say the C word in a film ever. I hate agreeing with you. <laughs> the miseducation of Cameron Post in a word, Andre? Uh, agreeable and fantastic. Jack? School camp. <laughs> Jack, what are you reviewing today for two reviews? Ooh, I'm reviewing Lynn Ramsey's new evil masterpiece, You Were Never Really Here which comes from, I think, the same haunted universe as Aphex Twin, Jonathan Glazer and David Cronenberg. It's this furious techno Mad Max Fury Road meets Taxi Driver with a candy-coloured diabetic soundtrack um, that's straight out of a 90s core film featuring songs like I've Never Been To Me by Charlene, which is in Priscilla, Angel Baby, or If I Knew You Were Coming, I'd Have Baked a Cake. 
It's then splattered with enough carnage to rip through the plastic shower curtains of cheap escapism and virtue signalling Hollywood films have been pouring onto our screens this year ever since Trump was elected, and Lynn Ramsey really doesn't hold back. This film stars Joaquin Phoenix as a ruthless bounty killer assassin whose weapon of choice is a small hammer. Through intense PTSD flashbacks, we learn he was a soldier who witnessed unimaginable violence against children, and he looks after his elderly mother and kills Illuminati child molesters on the side for dirty cash. Johnny Greenwood delivers a pumping, disjointed score that will make you forget Trenton Reznor exists, and Lynn serves up unforgettable image after image in a psycho, ultra-violent rollercoaster tycoon of a movie with delicious milkshakes on top. It's a beautiful day. Go back and watch her other perfect, sexy, depressing fantasies, Morvan Keller and We Need to Talk About Kevin, and then drink seven coffees and go to this one as soon as it's out in cinemas. How big is your love for this film, Andre? Okay, Lynn Ramsey, know her name, not her story, or know her story and her name, but she is just uh, making waves right now. She's a bad bitch. She walked off a film set she's basically she walked off a film shot with Natalie Portman she's middle fingering film the film world with this film which is why I love it so much I love that this movie is just a total big fat fuck you to film history I, I keep saying this to myself this movie is galvanising everything and it's, it's not gal- for everyone people will be angry at this film I'm sure it's reclaiming violence it's reclaiming film culture, it's reclaiming female voices, it's reclaiming what is expected of a film like this. This movie has a moment in it where there's just, uh, I I don't even know how to summarise it in the quick bite-sized chunk that we have to talk about it, but basically it just pretty much middle fingers Alfred Hitchcock's entire career, I think, personally. And to see that in a film is just so exciting and I'm ready for the next one. I'm ready to see it again. I've seen it three times now. (laughs) Andre, would you give uh, You Were Never Really Here galvanising in a word? Time to galvanize, dun, 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 which is a song that you could listen to before this film. Yeah, and after, honestly. And after. Um, I think that this one, this is just like a beautiful, soothing, exfoliating bloodbath. I have a inner word for you were never really here. Oh, I yeah. Saw it. You saw That's it. Right. Uh, Perfect. Oh. Oh. Brad is oh. the real film lord Thank in the family. God we have you, honestly. Yeah. Well, I think we can end it there. <laughs> <laughs> On FBI Radio, that was two reviews by Jack and Andre on Movies, Movies, Movies. We're in the middle of Movies, Movies, Movies. And for Sydney Spotlight, Jack and Andre interviewed Imogen McCluskey, who made her directorial debut with a feature film, Suburban Wildlife, on a very tight budget with strong female representation on and off screen. Let's take a listen to Sydney Spotlight on Movies, Movies, Movies. Sydney Spotlight. I'm so excited to introduce you Imogen McCluskey, who is goes way back, is a best friend of ours, but also she's the first of our crop to release a feature film. And she's premiering it tonight. It's called Suburban Wildlife. It was made with absolutely no budget, and we're all hugely proud of her. Imogen, welcome to the studio. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So can you give us like a little brief synopsis of what we have to expect from Suburban Wildlife? So Suburban Wildlife is a coming-of-age film of four friends who've just left university and they've reached a point in their friendship where they're sort of looking at each other and thinking, this isn't going to (laughs) last. So it's about friendships that have sort of run its course and it has road trip elements in it. You see a lot of beautiful Australia and um, it's just a nice Australian indie. Where does this sit on the spectrum of, I don't know, hating Alice and Ashley and 100,000 Shades of Brown? (laughs) Fifty Shades of Brown, filmed in prison, by the way. (laughs) Five thousand Shades of Brown, not enough brown. Um, It's 
Oh, I don't know what to say to that. There's a Fifty Shades of Brown. It's Fifty Shades of Brown. It was shot in Brisbane. Yeah, it's, it's like Richard's favourite movie. It's my favourite movie. It's the reason I went to film school. Green, fried green tomatoes. <laughs> no, that's where my name comes from. <laughs> oh my god. Right, right. good. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's okay. Just tell us where we can catch this movie. <laughs> So we're having a cast and crew screening tonight and there are a few tickets left. So just hop on our Facebook page, Suburban Wildlife Feature Film, and look at the Eventbrite link there. It's 6 for a 6.30 start at Afters. Tickets are only like $5. So please come along, see our film. We really want to see you there. This is like a very exclusive private screening and mm. it's only open to people who are listening right here, right now. Mm. It's not even open. It's just a secretly cracked... Uh, <laughs> it's just because it's on the dark web. It's on the dark web. It's on the dark web. It's film school. <laughs> it's in the suburban... It's in the suburban wildlife web. <laughs> yeah. One more question that I want to ask before uh-huh. we head off with you, um, if we let you go, <laughs> is uh, the film is so about shooting in Sydney and I feel like even the experience of making it was about working in Sydney over a long period of time with Sydney locals and emerging Sydney talent. Can you speak a little bit about that and what that was like? Totally. I think um, the location was so important to the film because we got it's called Suburban Wildlife for a reason like we wanted it to respond to place and respond to specific parts of Sydney that really resonated with the characters in the film and um, so yeah we shot in the eastern suburbs and the western suburbs of Sydney and worked with um, the most like brilliant collection of people in our cast and crew really exciting young actors like Hannah Lehman who made the Instagram series The Out There Manny McWilliam, Alex King Priscilla Dohey which is on who is on on a new um, SBS series called The Ropes. Like, you're going to see these faces everywhere very soon. And the crew as well is, like, amazing. And they're all Sydney locals now, but come all from around Australia. And we just really wanted to support the new generation of filmmakers in this country. Oh, you heard it here first. Just do it. Hop on to the FBI website. Suburban Wildlife. Suburban Wildlife is on Facebook. It's on Instagram as well. You can follow the film and what's happening with it and also check out the screening that's happening tonight at the Australian Film Television Radio School. Thank you. We'll have all the information on the program page. Yep. Thank you so much, Imogen, for coming in. Thank you. And good luck with the film. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) On Movies, Movies, Movies here on Mornings with Brady Tanner, that was Jack and Andre, our resident film lords, chat with Imogen McCluskey. The film lords will be back next week after their trip down to Melbourne for the film festival down there. And as they mentioned, you can check out Suburban Wildlife Facebook page for updates on where you can catch us screening. That was Movies, Movies, Movies for today. And if you want to go see a film this week, you can also check out our program page for all the cinema deals that are happening around town. They're listed there everywhere you can go see a movie in Sydney for under 10 bucks. Plus, I hear that Palace Cinemas are doing a week of $5 movies. So if you want to get it even cheaper than $10, check out all of their theatres. You're on FBI Radio. Hardcore fans, stick around because I've got a new track from Locals Homesick very soon for you. This is Swearing for Now with Grow Into a Ghost. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.